0: Buddy, I'm Kelly Ellers.
1: I'm Jeffrey Lennon.
0: And this is Volume
1: Up by the T's. Hello Salon Pro. You know better than anyone that in day-to-day life your clients' hair can take a beating. Damage goes beyond the obvious chemical services and heat styling to the environment, pollution, and simple everyday actions that can seriously compromise the hair. That's right. It's not just our bleach bonds that need a little TLC. It's everyone. And that's where Olaplex comes in. From their professional services to their famous take-home products, Olaplex targets specific concerns for stronger, shinier, healthier-looking hair. Using patented Olaplex bond-building technology, their products work from the inside out to help relink broken bonds and prevent future damage so that every client, after every service, can leave the salon with visibly healthier hair. While you strengthen and protect your client's hair, you can earn more revenue for yourself and your salon. By just using Olaplex once a day in the salon, you can generate 450 extra dollars each month. Just once a day. That's on top of the fact that clients with healthy hair leave the salon happy and are more likely to book with you again and again. Try Olaplex professional products today. You won't believe the difference. Don't let damaged hair hold you back. Go to pro.olaplex.com or the link in the show notes to learn more and get certified. Get ready to transform your client's hair and confidence with Olaplex. Looking to make an impact and strengthen the professional beauty industry? Hoping to make the industry thrive and grow for future generations? Join the Professional Beauty Association's 2023 Executive Summit on November 13th to 14th in Phoenix, Arizona. The PBA's mission is to provide exceptional experiences and a connected community to beauty professionals across the nation. At their 2023 Executive Summit, manufacturers, distributors, salon and spa owners and industry leaders will come together to connect and collaborate. Connect with those in similar positions as you. Work with thought leaders to utilize consumer and salon insights, forecasting and visionary thought to unite, inspire, create change, and spark innovation. Head to probeauty.org slash executive dash summit or the link in the show notes to get your ticket while you still can. This is an event you simply don't want to miss.
0: So we're here. Halloween happened. It's in the past. But man, oh man, I got to tell you, the views on your gram. Oh my God. And your girl's (laughs) outfit and the hair created by... Your lovely wife is... Yes. True talent.
1: I've got props. Um, this is maybe going to make it onto Instagram. <laughs> I have the hair piece in question... Yes. ...that Kelly's referring to.
0: It's Elsa's hair, right? Elsa.
1: Oh, oh no. No, no, no. Oh. Different princess. Sorry. It is Rapunzel. Oh. This is... me Tangled. Yeah, no. I guess we're out of the Elsa phase. All right. Which, thankfully, because those songs, you know, yeah. earworms. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, my, my wife made... A hairpiece, hairband from lots of yarn, lots and lots and lots of yarn.
0: I mean, was there yarn left at the store? At that, mm. Oh, and she left?
1: Great question. Great question. <laughs> um, we were down to the wire. We were applying, we, she was applying <laughs> um, false flowers with hot glue to said hair thing. It, yeah, which my piece. eldest daughter wore for approximately 10 minutes before <gasps> stripping off her head and saying it was too hot. Mm-hmm. But, you know, okay. we've got the memories. We've got the pics, as you said. We did it.
0: We did it. Listen to me. We did it. Yeah, we did it. I, I viewed your Instagram. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> we.
1: Um, you had some <laughs> exciting Halloween updates as well.
0: Oh, I did.
1: A bruised banana, as it were.
0: Yeah. So, turns out My youngest went as a banana. Yes, you do. Which I'm like, going back to the basics. Yeah. I love this a lot. Classic. Well, there was a little incident on the recess playground basketball court, if you will. (laughs) He happens to be a great basketball player. Someone was guarding him and just shoved him sort of on accident. And the ankle went over. Uh, And so we went to the ER, literally, Jeff, in the banana costume. Yeah. He strolled right on in limping. (laughs) Everyone was like, yes, this is like made my day. Okay. But the real kicker was when we're sitting there waiting, which was quite expedited. So kudos.
2: Mm, Love that.
0: Yeah. And the doctor walked in just tickled pink and he goes, so did you slip on your peel? (laughs) I mean,
1: Kudos to them.
0: He needs to get paid more. Yeah. Whatever. He's a comedian.
1: What an opportunity. And a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Well, wow.
0: So anyway, we had a bruised banana. He slipped on his peel. Like the jokes were coming left and right. Everyone wanted in on it. So anyway, it's not broken, but we're in a boot. Great. A banana with a boot.
1: Mm. Uh, Well, speaking about Halloween um, for just a few seconds more, uh, we talked about this on the site, the celebs, As you know, they're they want to do, they've got the money, they've got the access, they do the the hair teams, the makeup teams, the props, all of it. Um, did you see any celebs out there that really impressed you with their costumes?
0: You know, I'm just gonna go the other route and say the one that that didn't just annoys me every (laughs) dang holiday it's Heidi Klum and her oh wow dang outfits. Yep, I just I mean, it is like her thing.
1: The queen of Halloween doesn't do it for you?
0: No. And it was a peacock with all of the other teammates. Yeah. Dresses the feathers. <laughs> and it just annoyed me. So that's kind of oh. negative. So you give me a good one, will ya? <laughs> um,
1: yeah. Okay. So I...
0: <laughs> I
1: find that I can't get enough of when celebs do this like weird cosplay thing. Okay. Like, I think it's so strange that it's like a cultural norm where it's like these people dress up as other fans. I know. But that said, I was really, and I know this is controversial because people don't like her right now. Ariana Grande Mm. doing showgirls. Yeah. Was something I did not have on the 2023 bingo card. (laughs) <laughs> and that she had it with like she lots of different scenes reenacted uh-huh. moments from that iconic film. I mean friend Elizabeth Gillies, I'm told, I don't know who she is, other than she was on <laughs> one of those Nickelodeon shows that also Ariana Grande was on. She participated and like claps. Like Yeah, they did it. The the hair was incredible. Like they they studied that film and they got the costume right. I'm impressed. That's I just you know? Yeah, I'll give you that one. There's a couple of others, but I think Ariana Grande for me. That Like, I, all right. All right. Like, making that blonde work, which it doesn't on a, a normal day, but for this costume,
0: it does. It worked. It worked. You know, so the, it, think of what's going through their head. Like, okay, I'm a celebrity. Like, I play other people, right? I'm an actress, let's say. I play other people. Mm-hmm. I can choose whoever I want to play quote-unquote on Halloween. It must be just a torturous decision-making process. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, especially because I mean, I'm not going to get into them much because I'm not interested in giving them any more press. But there's a certain family that does this to great effect. Indeed. You know, where it's like stage shoots. Mm -hmm. Who knows when they did those? Like, it's certainly not Oh, fair. The day before Halloween. It's not. You know, like, Mm -hmm. we're not It's like
0: in June. Like, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, we, they scheduled that and then they released the pics and we're all like, oh,
0: she's wearing a (laughs) wig.
1: Like, I (laughs) That I could not care about. But somebody that does the weird thing, I'm really into. Like, Janelle Monet was a chameleon. Like, that's a... Yeah, that's... that Like, not beautiful. Intensely realistic, like, scales. And... Yeah. Didn't see that one either.
0: Yeah. It's odd. It's like, where does the thought process come? Am I going to be a banana? <laughs> or am I going to be a fully formed chameleon? Or peacock, yeah. Like, the spectrum is long and wide. Yeah. It really is. Wide and deep, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway... A little bit of Halloween haters today, but, you know, here we go. You know, So I want to move on to another topic. And I don't know if you've heard of this, but it's called girl math. And it works for a lot of different things. And (laughs) please explain to our listeners what exactly girl math is, if you indeed do not know.
1: Girl math is a trend, according to CNN, that features women trading jokes about the internal calculations that they make to explain their silly, but sometimes not so silly behavior. Less math, as they say. Then an internal feminine logic, often opaque, but always amusing. Um, some examples, and maybe these resonate with you. Uh, timing your hair washing so it lines up with weekend plans. I mean, who hasn't been
0: there? 100%.
1: That's me boy math, too.
0: That's a dang no-brainer.
1: Yeah, no-brainer. <laughs> um, spending enough to get free shipping because otherwise you're losing money.
0: Oh, okay.
1: I mean, if you get free shipping. All right. It's free. It's free. Right? Like that. Mm-hmm. apparently an, an example of girl math. Um, <laughs> recognizing that if you wear a cute outfit but no one important saw it you didn't get a picture you didn't wear that cute outfit
0: 100 percent.
1: and therefore you could yeah okay all right all right this that one resonates i love that <laughs> um planning an evening around a reservation and Walking back through every step of your routine so you can figure out when Mm. you have to start getting ready. The answer to this equation is always earlier than one would think.
0: Mm -hmm. Apparently. Apparently. Is that girl math? Yeah, for sure. Okay. It's like, oh my gosh, it's 315. I've got two hours. Like it's going to take. Yeah, we're doing it every time. Even for work. Like every day. Do you have any? (laughs) Like I do this every day. (laughs)
1: Yeah, this is, you know, again, girl math, commonplace. Um, Other girl math examples that you can sort of trot out from your own experience as a adult woman?
0: So, yes, I've got one just right off the tippy top of my head. So I really like it when people will just slide a couple hundred dollars into my Venmo Mm. because that's free money. Right. And so then I use that on things like my eyelash extension artist, who's fantastic, Prefers Venmo. So I'm like, I've got like,
1: I've got this balance,
0: four months of fills right here, baby, sitting in my Venmo, just waiting for you. So that's my
1: Venmo <laughs> top is
0: top example. Yeah.
1: It's, that's perfect. Whoop. Yeah. That money doesn't count.
0: And the best part, the best part is that $300 came from a friend of mine who actually um, was going to Venmo my husband, but instead I was like, can you just put it in mine? So it's double free.
1: Wow. Look at that. Yeah, there you go. I mean, that math is mapping. I love that.
0: Yes. Not a math major in any way, shape or form. So girl math is really just checking all the boxes for me. <laughs> all right. Moving on. On our last episode, I talked with Epre founder, Eric Presley. Eric first discovered his talent for innovation while pursuing his PhD in material science, working on everything from developing life-saving pharmaceuticals to inventing the bond-building category in hair care. Now he has created Epre, the future of high-performance hair care. Powered by Presley's cutting-edge chemistry, Epre is dedicated to creating scientifically advanced hair care solutions in patented, professional-grade formulas that are easy to use easier on the environment, and truly perform. Make sure you subscribe, rate and review, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at ReadTheTease, and send in questions to him up at teas.com.
1: This week, we're talking with Leslie Rosty, RN. Leslie is the Government Affairs Vice President for the Future of the Beauty Industry Coalition, FBIC. After leaving nursing, she began working in the professional beauty industry as a subject matter expert on infection control and public safety. She's written many articles and spoken to audiences large and small on infection control and chemical safety in the work environment and specializes in the salon and barber industry. She's very involved in the current discussion on occupational licensing as it relates to health and public safety in the professional beauty industry. And Leslie's worked with cosmetology boards in over 30 states on the revision of infection control rules and required curriculums consistent with current science and occupational trends. This one is going to be fascinating. So get ready to have your mind blown by
0: science. All right. Next up for me, I want to talk about industry waste. So I was on the phone with an incredible company called Glow Recycling. Check them out, glowrecycling.com a couple of weeks ago. And we were just talking about the immense waste that the beauty industry creates. And it's actually quite, I don't want to just dumbfounding the right word, but it's a lot. So, you know, that's the salon professional space. And then you also think about the consumer space too. So, you know, we've estimated from a marketplace.org article that about 80% of purchased beauty products aren't actively used. And you've got to think about that. You know, once we leave the salon or we, we leave the store, are we using those products to the end? Are we throwing them? Are we dumping them? Are we recycling them? And so there's a lot of chatter around this within the industry right now.
1: Justifiably. I mean, I'm guilty of not totally making the use of my products, um, but I try to recycle. Try But couldn't we all do a better job? Um, So, yeah, such an interesting topic. I mean, uh, we've talked a lot about even on most recent podcasts, hair being used for
0: environmental cleanup,
1: absorbing oils. Right. Exactly. Like there's so much that can be done. It's just a matter of who's who's doing it. So it's encouraging to hear that people like Low Recycling actually are committed to making a difference. So looking forward to seeing more like Low Recycling and others take up this charge of doing better um, because this is clearly a huge, huge problem uh, within the salon professional and beauty industries largely. Indeed. All right, well, let's talk about things that are trending on our sites. Our editorial team has been hard at work this week uncovering industry news, looking into trends, and diving into brands that you don't know but should. And here are some of our favorite headlines. First up, a biggie. The FDA is proposing a ban on hair relaxers containing formaldehyde. Here's what you should know. Black women have spent many years advocating for the regulation of toxic ingredients in their hair care products, and at long last, it seems that the Federal Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, may finally take action. Last week, The Root reported that the FDA is planning to propose a ban on certain harmful chemicals, including formaldehyde and formaldehyde-releasing chemicals, that are commonly found in hair smoothing and straightening products such as hair relaxers. For anyone not aware, formaldehyde is a colorless, flammable, and highly toxic gas that can cause respiratory problems when inhaled, sprayed through the eyes, or absorbed in the skin. It's used in a variety of household products, from cosmetic to medicines, and is linked to an increased risk of certain cancers. Currently, the FDA only discourages consumers from buying and using hair-straightening products containing formaldehyde, according to a fact sheet from the agency – this ban proposal comes after Congresswoman Ayanna Presley of Massachusetts and Chantel Brown of Ohio urged the agency to investigate the safety of chemical relaxers, which recent research, which we've written about on the site, has linked to an increased uterine cancer risk for Black women. Uh, more info on this story on thetees.com, including what to expect next. Long, long, long overdue by the FDA. For sure. This is scary, is it not?
0: Yeah, it's totally scary. I mean, we're just using these things just all over the place, different products, you know, and I've I've heard different professionals talk a little bit about it and kind of what happens with, you know, how it can be harmful. But I think in general, yeah, it's pretty dang shocking. And we do need to get after it. So hoping that the FDA does jump on this and that there is some legislation moving forward.
1: Absolutely. All right. Another story on the tease.com that we are passionate about. Uh, is called Cut by Kuya, Filipino-American Barbers You Should Know About. Filipino-American History Month is observed every October to mark the anniversary of when Filipinos first landed in the continental United States of America. Before the Pilgrims, Filipinos stepped foot on the West Coast on October 18, 1587 in a small town on the central coast called Moro Bay in present-day California. This past month presents an opportunity to highlight various Filipino-American stories that should tell their history. Head to thetease.com to learn more about some amazing Filipino barbers that you should know about and some background on how the beauty industry is woven into the fabric of our contributor, Matthew Mendoza's story, his family history. It's an incredible piece. Um, And we're so excited that this is on thetease.com. So check that out and then make sure you're following all of those barbers because they are well worth your time. The question I've got for you, Kelly, because I had no idea. um, And shout out to Matthew for making this happen. Did you realize that Filipino immigration was happening as early as 1587?
0: No, I did not. And interesting that it's in Morro Bay, which is obviously in California. But like, no, that they pinpointed that exact timing and location. So really interesting article on so many levels.
1: Absolutely. Shout out to Matthew Mendoza. Thank you for that piece. All right. Last but certainly not least, uh, this is a title that includes a quote. So this is going to make sense after I read it aloud. The title is... Now we don't have to choose between our wands and clip irons hairstylist Paula Peralta on Paul Mitchell Pro's Express Ion clipped 1.25 inch detachable curling iron. Meet your new Take It Everywhere styling companion, the all new Paul Mitchell Express Ion clipped 1.25 inch detachable curling iron. While the extended 1.25 inch barrel makes styling hair easier than ever, it can also be detached and packed compactly into its storage bag. Get perfect lasting curls anytime, anywhere with this detachable design and built-in dual voltage for worldwide use. You just need to use your plug adapter. With its premium ceramic barrel, this professional curling iron heats hair evenly for fast results and incredible shine. Adjustable heat settings up to 410 degrees Fahrenheit allow for the perfect heat for any hair type. The Ts talked with Emmy award-winning stylist and editorial director for Paul Mitchell, Paula Peralta, to get an insider's perspective on the new Express Ion Clipped 1.25 inch detachable curling iron head to the tease.com for more insight into the tool as well as her styling tricks and tips detachable design for a curling iron what yeah
0: honestly as you were reading that and i'm thinking in my mind like this is quite a category innovator why haven't we thought of yeah why i mean why haven't we thought of this yet
1: If it can happen, why not? I mean, shout out to Paul Mitchell for making this a reality. I mean... It's a no-brainer. And I mean, Paula talks all about the usefulness of the product for the hairstylists, especially those that are traveling. So, I mean, what did you think about this?
0: Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, I love the versatility, right? Think about, you know, the future innovations with that too. Is it a styling brush, different barrel lengths? Yeah, I mean, I love this. I think there's endless possibilities. I love that it's compact and just goes back into its little travel case too. So Paul Mitchell, shouting it out over there on the product category innovation.
1: Love it. As always, so much going on at thetease.com. Thank you to our hardworking editors. We are proud to publish stories that salon pros and consumers care about.
0: Next up, Jeff's interview with Leslie from the Future Beauty Industry Coalition.
1: Leslie Rosty, RN, BSN, graduated from the University of Kansas, where she studied nursing and microbiology. After leaving nursing, she began working in the professional beauty industry as a subject matter expert on infection control and public safety. She's written many articles and spoken to audiences large and small on infection control and chemical safety in the work environment and specializes in the salon and barber industry. In 2020, she became the lead grant applicant on the cosmetology compact, working with the Department of Defense and Council of State Governments, CSG, to develop model legislation. Leslie currently works with the CSG on behalf of the FBIC on enacting the Cosmetology Interstate Licensure Compact, securing true license mobility for cosmetologists. Previously, Leslie worked with cosmetology brands in over 30 states on the revision of infection control rules and required curriculums consistent with current science and occupational trends. Throughout COVID, she assisted states in developing reopening guidelines and offered education in all virtual formats to help states reopen. She is a national exam writer and participated in the Safe Nevada Project, as well as the Department of Labor Occupational Licensing Consortium. Today, we're talking about the Cosmetology Interstate Licensure Compact. According to the Professional Beauty Association's website, the Cosmetology Compact is an interstate occupational licensure compact. Interstate compacts are constitutionally authorized, legislatively enacted, legally binding agreements among states. The Cosmetology Compact will enable licensed cosmetologists to practice in all states that join the compact rather than getting an individual license in every state in which they want to practice. Like the compact for a driver's license, each compact member state agrees to mutually recognize the practitioner licenses issued by every other member state. All right. I'm so excited, you guys. We've got a repeat guest. This very rarely happens, and we are thrilled that it is. Leslie Rosti is back on the podcast in a fully new role, which we'll talk about in a moment. Leslie, how's it going? How does it feel to be back?
3: It feels excellent. It feels excellent that the last time we spoke, we were kind of mid COVID. And uh, now we are in the rearview mirror and it feels a whole lot uh, less chaotic in my life. For them. <laughs> I will say that.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's fair. Um, yes. Things are looking up for, for most of us. Yes. Um, and we'll take it. Uh, but yeah, just so that everybody knows, Leslie was one of our very first guests and we will drop that original link in the show notes because you might want to go back and listen. Um, but for those that are not going to do that, Let's start with your background. If you wouldn't mind, just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself because you have a different background um, than many of our other guests who are, you know, pro hairstylists or makeup artists, etc.
3: Absolutely. So, my actual training, my actual education is as a nurse. I worked as a um, labor and delivery and an emergency department nurse for about 15 years and um, also worked a little bit um, as an infection control nurse and which makes sense to my next job, um, my next employment gig, which was how most people know me in this industry. Um, I came to this industry about 18 years ago now and I went to work for Barberside, and um, I used what I knew about infection control and about human behavior from nursing and did a lot of education, created Barberside certification, And as everyone knows, during COVID, um, I lost my mind because it was 247, 365, nonstop. every country, every language, night and day, infection control, infection control. And if you got sick of hearing the word COVID, I really got sick of saying the word COVID. So it worked out well that in October of 2020, the grant became available from the Department of Defense to create, we'll talk about what this is, but create compacts in industries outside of healthcare. Mm-hmm. As a nurse, I participate in the Nurses Compact. So I knew how valuable a compact could be. So I went ahead and applied. Um, on behalf of all you cosmetologists out there, I applied. <laughs> and because um, I thought this is a great thing. And as it turned out about the time that we received word that um, I got the grant um, and we started putting things the pieces together, it just really made sense for me to work on this project full-time. So as of uh, January 1st of this year, I have left infection control. I still read about it. I still answer questions. I, I Like I didn't leave my brain somewhere else. It's still there. Yeah. But my new passion is working on this really industry-forward legislation, something that moves the industry completely forward. And I guess that's what we're here to talk about today.
1: Yes, we are. Um, and in part of that capacity of moving this industry forward, I mean, obviously, we will get to the compact um, that you've been referring to. Um, you now are part of the future of the Beauty Industry Coalition. Um, so talk to us a little bit about that org um, for those that are maybe not in the loop. And then let's talk a little bit about how it connects to PBA, because that's another big industry group that is working alongside you to, to make this happen.
3: So when I applied for the compact grant, I got a group of people together. Um, regulators from states, um, industry professionals, um, and we worked through the application, we worked through the process of doing it together. When I decided to leave Barbicide, I really needed somebody who thought this was a good idea to say, hey, you know, we'll bring you on board to do this project, right? And the Future of the Beauty Industry Coalition is a group of companies, it represents a group of companies who ha- have a footprint in more than one state in the beauty industry. So they may have salons in five states or 10 states or all 50 states. They may have stores. So you think of things like Great Clips, Sport Clips, Ulta, J.C. Pennies, anybody that has a um, a bunch of stores in a bunch of states because they have common issues, right? Mm -hmm. If you think about how the rules in every state are different, that was one of the biggest problems in COVID was everybody had a different rule, right? Mm -hmm. And if you recall, I live in Kansas City. So I live in Kansas, six blocks from Missouri, right? So different rules, not only in the states, but in the counties. And it just became this huge mess. And so anybody that has any business that has a, a footprint in more than one state has a common issue, which is how do I merge all these things together? Mm -hmm. So they were the people I went to and they were like, yes, absolutely. We would love to help. At the same time, they were working on. um, I'm sure you're going to have somebody on to talk about this soon. um, The FICA tip tax, which is a Mm -hmm. federal issue. I work in the States. It's a federal issue. And so um, they partnered up with the PBA and the PBA has obviously they do government affairs and um, Myra and Katie head up um, the government affairs at the federal level. And so Myra and Katie and I work together all the time because we're sort of sharing information and sharing ideas. Yep. But to be specific, if at the end of this, you say, oh, I wanna help her do this in my state. I only work in your state. I don't go to Washington DC unless <laughs> I'm working with that state, right? I, or that territory. I 100% only um, work at the state level. and the, And so Myra and I are like constant companions. So if you have Myra on the show, you know, She'll tell you that I'm the person to talk to if you need something done in your state. So,
1: And you heard it here, guys. Uh, yeah, Myra has been a guest on the podcast. We've talked about the FICA tax credit. Um, and yeah, this is all very important work that the two of you and your respective orgs are doing. But let's get into it. For those who are maybe living under a rock, um, what is the cosmetology licensure compact um, in layman's terms? For
3: people that are... In layman's terms, super simple. Exactly. So compact law is a legislated agreement between two states or between four states or between 10 states, but at least two states agreeing on something. Mm -hmm. So it can be about anything. The first compact in the United States was between the states of New Jersey and New York, and it created the Port Authority to decide how they're going to share the water, right? Like how they're going to share that water that exists between the two states, because there's a lot of commerce that goes through there the one of the biggest compacts is the colorado river compact it's all the people that use water off the colorado river all those states have agreed on how that will be used from an occupational licensing standpoint the compact um, is an incredible movement for this this industry Um, the compact think of it like your driver's license When you get in your car in wherever you live, let's say you live in Denver Mm -hmm. and you get in your car and you drive whatever direction, let's say you drive to Kansas, you do not stop at the border and show them your driver's license and say, look, I've gone to school, (laughs) I've taken a test, I know how to drive. You simply drive into Kansas, right? Mm -hmm. And so the same concept in occupational licensing is applied to your cosmetology license. So in theory, And in in practice, Um, if you have a license in a member state, you would be able to go and work in another member state and never tell them you're there. You just show up and start cutting hair, doing whatever you do, whatever your practice is, because the concept is if you're safe enough in one state, just like driving, you're arguably arguably safe enough in another state. Right. Mm -hmm. I say this to people all the time. The oldest compact for occupational licensing is the nurse's compact. Mm -hmm. The nurse's compact is. 20 years old and 42 states participate in it so i as a nurse have a multi-state license i can pick up and go work in 41 other states and i don't even tell them there agree that nursing doctors respiratory therapists all these people can probably hurt somebody more than a cosmetologist Ding, ding. and all of them already have functional compacts right that they can go work in other states so some of the fear factor about oh my gosh we don't want those people that didn't do what we did or didn't get the training we got really needs to sort of go by the wayside because other occupations that are higher risk are doing it successfully. So that's, in a nutshell, thank you for your driver's license.
1: Beautifully put. Um, I think that's pretty easy for everybody to wrap their heads around. Yeah. Um, so for salon professionals, uh, how would just bluntly a multi-state license work? I mean, you said it, but just to restate for people, like let, let's just drive this home because this is really right. something that we should all be getting our you know arms around. Come on.
3: So let's say, um, and you know, we have twenty states we're working on um, for. Uh, 2024. We fully anticipate to have t- over 20 states on board with this by July. So um, we already have three states that have enacted. But let's just say the first three states that have enacted were Alabama, Kentucky, and Arizona. Those were the states that en- enacted. And we only had the legislation available January 3rd of this year. So that was pretty good to get three states enacted. We still have two active bills, one in California, one in Ohio. And um, Once we get seven states, which arguably we'll have by July, those seven states would be what we consider member states. Those seven states would form the commission that um, creates the rules around this law. And what would happen after that is by the end of next year, about this time next year, those member states would be able to generate multi-state licenses. And what that would mean is, let's say you lived in Kentucky Um, You would, when you go back for renewal, um, when you go to your renewal, they would say, do you want a single state Kentucky license? You could still get that. Or do you want a multi-state license? The multi-state license may cost you a little bit more, but it would allow you to go work in any other member state for, you know, a day, a week, a month what would trigger you having to get a license in another state would be you um, moving your domicile, right? Mm -hmm. So anytime you would get a new driver's license, whatever trigger you to get a new driver's license or the renewal of your cosmetology license, then you would go, now, think about it this way, it's also really easy. You're working in a member state. So all you would have to do, let's say you're moving from Kentucky to Arizona or Kentucky to Alabama, and you've been working there for the last four months, you've decided to officially move there, you know, you've got a house, all those kinds of things. All you have to do is say to Alabama, hey, I'm here. I'm here and I want a new license in Alabama. Don't have to jump through any hoops. Alabama just gives you a new Alabama license, a multi-state license. So it's really fairly simple in that aspect. So
1: I mean this is incredible. Uh so uh, I'm sure welcome news to a lot of us who are contemplating or already doing some of this working across state lines and I mean this shores up the whole process um yeah. brings it you know into light and as you said helps to elevate this industry um give some flexibility uh, to folks that are maybe feeling the squeeze of of not liking their current situation. Um, What would be needed from salon pros in order for them to be eligible? Um, I mean, you talked about needing to be in a member state. Uh, If there's...
3: They would have to have a license in a member state, right? Um, One of the things that we are working uh, really hard to ensure in this first round is that we get the largest number of licensees swept into this initial round. Mm -hmm. Hence, California. California is a really hard state. They do not have a single Licensure compact in California. They have not participated in it. This would be their first, wow. but we've made it through the assembly and um, we're have a hearing in the, the Senate in January. So we're hopeful for California. Um, California has the largest volume of cosmetology licensees in the country. They all don't live there. Um, A lot of people get their license in California, (laughs) then move somewhere else, and they keep paying fees everywhere or doing continuing ed in all these different states. That would take that away, right? Mm -hmm. You only would do continuing ed in the state that your license is in. So let's say your home state license was in a state that required continuing ed. You would still have to continue doing it. But if your home state license was in California and you are working in a state with continuing it, you wouldn't have to do it because your home state is California. Mm. And one of the things that we see as a benefit, not only to licensees, but also to businesses, I'm guessing some people who listen to this own salons, that kind of thing. Yep. um, Is that you have the ability then to start moving your employees in a way that makes sense to you, right? If you own salons in Florida in January, you're dying for people, right? Mm -hmm. And people who live in Minnesota may be like, yes, I'll go work January (laughs) through March. Let's go. 100%. I don't want to be in the freezing cold. (laughs) And that's a win-win, right? The people in Florida get somebody for those months and you don't give up your business in Minnesota. You don't give up your job there. But also think about like the people that I work for that have Salons in all the states, for example, Mm -hmm. they want to move a manager to go open a store. Exactly. Or there's a store that has an issue and it's right across state lines. If you look at a map, I think you would be shocked at how many big cities sit on literally, you know, on a state border. The Cincinnati airport, Cincinnati, Ohio is in Kentucky.
1: In Kentucky. Yep.
3: Yeah. So you think (laughs) about how that really works in theory. And another thing I do want to bring up that always comes up, and we've had no opposition, and one of our biggest supporters is schools for that exact same reason. If I have a school on the Ohio side, you know, and and there's people from Kentucky that want to come to my school, I want to make sure that when they graduate from my school that they can go back and forth between these two states easily right Mm -hmm. so one of the things that it really does help is for those border cities and there's a lot of them it's shocking so we are picking states like for example we got a bill in new york we were running a bill in new york this year so now we have one in new jersey and in pennsylvania makes sense and then west virginia came and you know you just start building like a little footprint in each of really basically the corners Um, of the country, and then we'll start moving inward.
1: What about Maryland? As a Marylander, I'm hoping
3: Maryland, we have a legislator, and so we actually we have somebody and oh great. Um we won't know until you know bills are introduced in January that for sure we have a bill number. Um, but um they're on our hot list, so to speak. So
1: congrats, congrats to you for, for making that happen and shout out to Maryland. Although I'm in California, so yeah. what do I know? Oh
3: uh- <laughs> well, you gotta give California credit. California is the only state where a board, this is a little t- tidbit, where a A board can sponsor a bill Mm -hmm. and the board of cosmetology sponsored this bill in California. So they are fully in support. The schools are all out in support. So we really haven't had any opposition. If we get opposition, the only opposition is occasionally um, any groups that would want to deregulate typically do not like um, compacts. And the reason they don't like them is because once you've made a legislated agreement with another state that is predicated, that is based on a license It is very difficult they 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 just can't pop them out right so Mm -hmm. number one reason arizona passed it as fast as they did arizona gets hit with deregulation bills every year multiple ones and Mm -hmm. likely this next session they won't get any so
1: incredible this is such good news um tell us a little bit about how this came to be though i mean for those that are like oh my god why hadn't this been a thing before these things don't happen out of nowhere um it's through efforts like yourself how how did this sort of coalesce into what is now a multi-state movement?
3: So, um, like I said, I I participate in the Nurses Compact. Mm -hmm. Funny thing, I have a multi-state license and I have never used it, but I just keep paying for this multi because just in case, you know.
1: That's exactly right. I
3: wanted to go be a nurse somewhere else, you know, you never know. But I saw the value of it because this industry is a young industry. There's so many young people that really want to move around. That was important to me. But the main impetus for the grant came from the Department of Defense. Yeah, why? Now, Why would the Department of Defense want to pay for this? The Department of Defense wants to pay for this because military spouses have a rate of 28 percent. And that is incredibly high. Mm. Military spouses, when they're surveyed, oftentimes don't tell new employers that they're a military spouse because they don't want them to think they're going to leave. Yep. Um, They. It's really hard because they're picking up and moving sometimes on very short notice and having to move and go through the licensure process. Right now in America, I don't know that everybody is aware of this, but right now in America, for about 50% of cosmetologists who would pick up and move They would have to take additional hours in another state. They would have to maybe go back, uh, go take another test, you know, retest in another state, particularly if you're from California, where it's a thousand hours and there's no practical exam now. Mm -hmm. So this sort of levels the playing field of ensuring that everyone is safe. It doesn't mean that everyone has learned in school how to do a balayage, fancy hair, right? Mm -hmm. But they are safe. They're not going to hurt anybody in your state. And I think it's important for people to feel comfortable with the idea that if I can drive a 3000 pound car in your state from another state, I probably am safe enough to do hair regardless. Everyone who's on this podcast, who went to cosmetology school knows that all the health and public safety aspects of your training happened in the first 500 hours, right? When you were sitting in classrooms, reading the boring chapters that I wrote in the textbook, (laughs) which I hated doing to you guys. I'm just so sorry about that. But while you were learning the names of all the bones in the human body and you were learning chapter five, infection control, and you were learning all those things, that's the health and public safety piece. That is the only reason you have a license. A license is not about you being good. It is about you being safe. The state does not care whether you're good. Mm. In fact, they could care less. You could be the worst haircut or colorist. You could be the worst. But if you can pass that test, you're getting a license because- What they know is you're not going to hurt someone. You know the rules, right? And that you achieved in the first 500 hours. And that's true across the entire country. So this fear of, like I was talking to one state and I was talking to their um, department of licensing and they were like, well, we don't want all those unlicensed people who don't know what they're doing coming into our state. And I was like, well, back up. They're licensed.
1: Yeah, they would. They're licensed. (laughs) They would be licensed. (laughs) And
3: why do you think you have the corner on teaching it properly? You know, the textbooks are very similar when it comes to the science. The curriculum is very similar because you have to know it to pass the test. So Mm -hmm. it should put everyone at ease. But the Department of Defense has funded this all the way along. Um, They were the ones that gave us the grant. They are also the ones. One of the aspects of this that everybody should be aware of is that it is required that it have a national database associated with it. So if you work in a state that is a member state, uh, license information will be available to other member states, much like if you get pulled over in your car in Colorado yep. and you have a Maryland driver's license, they can look up
1: your record. Yep.
3: What's gone on in Maryland or any other state for that matter on your driver's license, right? So, the, one of the unintended consequences may be to um, be better able to detect license fraud mm-hmm. and potentially human trafficking. So, there are some unintended consequences that could really benefit people in this industry that are. Uh, you know, either bad players with license fraud, or mm-hmm. hurting other individuals with human trafficking.
1: Wow, uh, important stuff. So, thank you again so much for for working on this and and for providing yeah. these updates because I think you know people are maybe not aware or not as aware as they should be. Yeah. Um, which brings me to my next question, which is how the heck do people get involved? Yeah. So if they're in these three states, if they're in these seven, how? What is the best way for a listener that is passionate about this to say like I'm going to do something? Yeah. Um, I'd love to to hear from you.
3: So. If you are in Kentucky, Arizona, or Alabama, you don't have to do anything. You just wait, be patient and wait, it's happening <laughs> in your state. All right. Um, and there's a lot of other states that I, I know for a fact it will happen in. But what I would say is if people want to get involved, um, I'm sure you can link my email address gladly. And we have a website that'll be linked in there. Our Cosmetology compact website. They can go and read all about it. Um, Frequently asked questions are in there. One of the most frequently asked questions is what if I do something wrong in another state? Like what if I what if I get a citation in another state and you would be treated exactly as their own licensees are treated. So if you're in, you know, Colorado and you get a citation on your Maryland multi-state license, if they would fine you, if they'd make you to go do education, all those things you have to do. The only thing they cannot do. Take away your license because they didn't issue it, right? Mm. But they would notify your state who can take away your license, and you would get red flagged to all the other states if it was bad enough, right? So that's how adverse actions are handled. So all those those things would be on our website, and I would encourage you um, to you know reach out if you if you have a the the best help is if you have stories about you know, I had to go do this, I had to go do that. Um, Universal licensing is a big deal right now, right? Like, so you hear about, we have universal licensing or I have states say, we have reciprocity. We have basically anybody can come and work in California. And that's for the most part is true, right? In California, if you show up and you have a license you can get a license, Mm -hmm. but you still have to go through the steps of getting a license. You still have to pay the fee to get a license. Mm -hmm. If you have universal licensing, There's still hoops to jump through and money to pay and continuing ed to complete, all those things. It just means that they will give it to you at the end of the day. With reciprocity, one of the things I have is I have people saying to me, well, we have reciprocity. We let anybody come into our state. California says that too. But you know what? That only benefits people coming into your state. It doesn't benefit anyone who lives in California. If you live in California and you have a license in California, all kinds of people can come in there and work. But if you need to go do something in another state, you have no benefit of that reciprocity, right? So it is a bi-directional reciprocity that is really important. So one of the things we will be really ramping up in January when we start going into these um, 20 states is we will be sending out voter voices, right? So if people send me an email and say, I have this story and you tell me this story, I'm going to tag the state you're in and I'm going to say, okay, when we're ready for a voter voice, I want this person to write their story down. Or if they want to come testify in person, we always have to go testify. There's not a state where we don't have a hearing. Some states (laughs) allow written testimony. Some allow it in person. And your story makes a difference, right? Like, that's right. I can get the bill going. I can get the, the movement. I can take all responsibility for it. But when you show up and say to me, look, I'm a military spouse. And every time I move, I have to consider whether I'm going to work or not, that that's impactful to the people who you're their constituent. You vote for them. Right. Mm -hmm. If your business, if you're a business owner, if you have a salon or you have a school that's on a border and you're willing to go to the mat and say this, this problem could be fixed. Like, for example, I'll sometimes have salons who say I'm on a state line and I cannot staff fully staff my salon for all the hours that I want to be open yep. because I just don't have enough people. Mm-hmm. And I, if I could take people from the next state over, I would, I absolutely would. And they would like to come work for me, but there's all these hurdles they have to jump through. And so those kinds of stories are very impactful to your state leaders, right? One of the things that's different from what Myra does and what I do, you know, when you get to Congress, when you get to those federal bills, a single constituent voice is often not a lot, right? It's it's like, you know, it's like a tiny voice in the middle of the ocean, right? It's a drop of water. Mm -hmm. But in your own state, if you can write a letter or an email to the representative that represents your district, which is often very small, it might just be like three neighborhoods together in some states. Mm -hmm. If you can write a letter to that representative and say, I really want you to support this bill when it comes to the House of Representatives or to the Assembly or to the Senator, that you can just copy and paste the same thing. Those people, your vote, every vote counts, right? Absolutely, because it's a much smaller pool of people voting, and so every single vote counts. And so your stories are important. How this would impact your life is important, and and your past things you've had to go through. I had a somebody talk to me after um, I presented at a at a show. I, somebody came up to me and said their son. And his wife, son was in the military, wife was a cosmetologist. They moved, I want to say, to Idaho. For some reason, Idaho's ringing a bell. And she had to go back to school for 500 hours Ugh. to get her license. The day she completed her 500 hours, he got sent somewhere else.
1: Oh, my
2: God.
3: And so here she's gone through those 500 hours, which cost them money and time. Of
2: course. yep.
3: He wasn't working. And now they're moving somewhere else. Right. That shouldn't happen. Right. Yeah. You know, doing what cosmetologists do, you know, and doing it safely should be, I have a license. I, sh- you, sh- you don't, you know, you don't, you should be able to cut hair across state lines, just like you drive across state lines. So, um, if you can post, um, my email address on our website, um, and I also will send to you, um, we are hosting a legislative um, summit. Um, it's really just an informational, um, like a two-hour call on the 16th of November. Mm-hmm. It's a Zoom call. And pe- anybody who's interested in what this can do or how they can help can just log in and listen to it. Um, it's It will give a, a lot of information to stakeholders.
1: Amazing. Well, Leslie, we will, of course, drop everything in the show notes. That's no issue. Um, But there are people who are maybe not going to click that link. So what is your email address? Why don't you just say it aloud so that people out there can maybe make a note?
3: I'm going to make it really easy. I'm going to give you two email addresses. One that's super easy and one that's maybe a little more complicated. Um, My email address at FBIC is L-E-S-L-I-E, my first name, period, or dot, Roste, R-O-S-T-E, at F like Frank, B like Bob, I like Igloo, C like Charlie dot org. All right. Or dot com. I'm sorry. Um, my other email address that everybody can relate to is L.G. Rosty at Gmail. Super simple. Easy. Um, my first initial, my middle initial and my last name, L.G. rosty at gmail.com. So those are two easy ways to get a hold of me.
1: Amazing. And again, they're in the show notes, guys. We're making it as easy as possible to get in touch if you feel passionately about this. And I feel like a lot of listeners are going to be. Yeah. And yeah, this summit... We'll equally happy to link out wherever we can to get people to show up because this is something.
3: And I can run you a quick list of where we have bills running. And if it's one of your states and you want to reach out to me or
1: let's do it.
3: If it's not one of your states, if you don't hear your state, you can reach out to me and say, hey, what's the deal? Why don't we have something going on? So let's go start on the West Coast. I'll start with Washington state. We actually have a legislator in Washington ready to go. Utah, we are ready to go. Colorado, we are ready to go. Nebraska, we could use a little help if you're from Nebraska. We have a carryover bill, so we could use a little help in Nebraska. Um, We could use a little help, probably at some point in Indiana. Um, We have an existing bill in Ohio that we may still need testimony on. Um, We have bills pending in Illinois, Wisconsin. I kind of got out of order of the states that I was going in, but uh, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, uh, we have Kentucky. Um, we have a legislator in Tennessee that is carrying the bill. And as we move to the East Coast, we start getting saturated. Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, West Virginia, Virginia. I'm not saying in, in the order that they are in. Um, West Virginia, Virginia, uh, New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Maine, Delaware. Am I forgetting some states? Maryland. Um, Might have forgotten one or two states in there, but I think I've got a a good smattering of all of the states that we're working in. You know, we had a bill in Texas that got all the way through both chambers and then got vetoed at the 11th hour by the governor. Still could get through one of their special sessions. But if we were to get uh, California and New York, we would represent 50 percent. Of All people who can hold a license in the United States would have a license in a member state because the numbers are so high in both of those states.
2: Incredible.
1: Wow. All right, guys, you heard it. Uh, So if you heard your state and there was a directive, get involved. If you didn't, likewise, we've got the email addresses. Everything's in the show notes. Let's make this happen. Um, Leslie, thank you so much. Before we let you go. Yeah, we're going to do our quick takes. All right. Uh, First question. Do you remember what was the first ever beauty or hair product that you had to have?
3: Oh, now you're going to make me look really old.
1: No, 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 no. There's no, we're not dating any. It's just.
3: Oh, okay. I can't remember the name. of I can like picture the bottle probably <laughs> when I was like in eighth grade and it had the really mod letters on it and it was the first, well, they called it waterless shampoo. So dry shampoo mm. didn't work, but it was the first thing I thought I had to have. <laughs> And it also doesn't work on my kind of hair, just so we're all clear. So
1: there we go. Yeah. There we go. I mean, you know, marketing is always working. It's magic. Um, are you superstitious? And if so, about what?
3: I'm a little superstitious. I I am around a few people that are superstitious. So I get a little more superstitious, but not too much. I, um, I am superstitious a little tiny bit about... Um, dates there's some dates that i'm a little more superstitious about than others but not much not a lot
1: okay that's fair again woman of science we understand um but all of us are a little superstitious yeah um who would play you in a biopic about your life
3: oh we'll see now do i get to pick the person i want to play maybe because-
1: absolutely yeah this is dream casting this is
3: i want to think i look like them or
1: no 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 it's whoever however you think this person whatever that actress actor make it happen
3: Okay, well, I don't even know the name of this actress. I think I can think of her name. Okay, um, she was on Madam Secretary. On, um, she's really kind of badass lady, and I kind of like her, and she's kind of cute, and um, can't remember her name. But I'll think of it. Okay, but um, yeah, I think she's about my age, so it's a good fit. And she was the Secretary of State, so I'm like, all right, I, I can go with that.
1: All right, I love it. Why not? Let's make this happen. Um, I could actually see a biopic in your future. So maybe Tay Leone, the actual lead. There we go.
3: Tay Leone. There you go. That's her name. And I think she has, she has like great style, great hair, and she's kind of sassy and she gets things done. And I would like that to be somebody who represents me.
1: So I see it makes sense. Um, What do you consider to be the ultimate comfort food?
3: Oh, so that's changed over time, which is kind of an odd thing. Okay. I used to be a total... That's kind of a funny thing. I used to be a total popcorn addict. Popcorn was my comfort food. Like I really, well, I travel all the time. So it was just like a being at home sitting on the couch, the comfort, yep. like of the whole thing, like sitting on the couch with my dogs, eating popcorn, like was that, that was where the comfort came from. Okay. But, um, as I've gotten older, not that interested in it. So, the ultimate comfort food for me is super weird because it's not a food, it's coffee. Oh, I love me, my morning warm cup of coffee with oat milk in it. I'm all about it. So,
1: Leslie, yeah, speaking my language,
2: that's my comfort. Food.
1: Yeah, that makes total sense to me. Uh, okay. So, we've talked a little bit about this. A lot of our listeners and guests on the podcast are hair pros. Um, And, you know, a lot of us are product junkies, so we are all interested in knowing what everybody else is using. So that's what the spirit of this question is about. Say that you're on a deserted island and can only bring three products with you. What are you bringing?
3: Do I have electricity on my island?
1: You've got electricity, you've got food, you've got shelter. We are good. Like it's we're not worried about surviving.
3: Okay. So the three beauty things I have to have. Yes, please. I have to have a flat iron. Okay. Does it is it does it have to be all hair?
1: No, no, it's just three things that you could not live without that are not like actual sustenance.
3: Okay. I have to have a flat iron and a good one, not a crummy one. Okay. Because I have a little bit of frizz going on. Um, I have to have Sunday Riley, their five-star eye cream. I'm all about that five-star eye cream. It like makes my whole day. Okay. And Goldwell Color Shampoo. Those are my three have to, I don't ever change.
1: And and we don't have to. We don't have to change at all. Um, That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing these. Leslie, again, before I let you leave, where can people find you? How can they get a hold of you if you wouldn't mind?
3: I'm going to give you I'm going to give you it all email addresses. I'm even going to give you a phone number. It's my cell phone. Ooh. That is how brave I am. I am going to let you text me or call me. Don't call me names. Don't give me like rude phone calls.
1: No, no, no. Our listeners would never.
3: But I'll give it to you because you know what? Some people are just texting people. They don't want to send me an email. And if you can help me, mm-hmm. a text will work. Right. So email addresses again. Leslie, L-E-S-L-I-E dot Rosty R-O-S-T-E at FBIC.com or LGRosty at gmail.com. Or here we go, drum roll, 816 955 1643. Text me, call me, just say nice things. You know, if you want to sway my opinion on my hair product, I'm good with that too.
1: That might actually, I wouldn't put it past our listeners to do that. They won't be mean. That's fine. They may suggest something. Um, So let us know if they do.
3: Hey, if it's a good suggestion and and it works right on.
1: Exactly. Uh, Leslie, always a pleasure thrilled to have you back. Um, yeah. And we're not going to wait, you know, another two, three years to have you back again. So best of luck.
3: Yeah, Maybe by this time next year, we can talk about people who are getting their multi-state licenses and how it's working.
1: That is exactly right. Let's manifest the hell out of that. Yeah. Let's make this happen, everybody. Thank you again for your time.
3: Thank you. All right. Bye.
0: Okay, so some great learnings from the Professional Beauty Association. They're doing so many wonderful things for our industry, including making sure that licensure is regulated far and wide. And so kudos to them. Thank you, Leslie, for joining us uh, from the Future Beauty Industry Coalition as well. Be sure to hit subscribe, rate, review, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Read the Teas, and send in questions to volumeupwiththetease.com.
1: Volume Up is a Tease Media production. This episode was produced by Monica Hickey and Madeline Hickey. Brian Daly is our editor and audio engineer. Thank you to Josh Landowski and Nathan Folks for the custom volume up theme song. And thank you to our creative team for putting together the graphics for this episode.